0: To the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's Lead Pastor Chris Starr. I want you to open your Bibles to the the Book of the Psalms and turn to the 133rd Psalm, and we're going to read all of it. But don't fear; it's only three verses, so it's real short but I've been doing this series entitled one and talking about unity in the church. And so I've enjoyed preaching this series and I look forward to preaching this message today as we wrap it up and uh, just focusing one more time on all the benefits and the power of unity in the church. How many of you glad that you're part of a church that's unified here at High Praises? Can we give God praise for that? Thank God for that. So here's what David wrote. He wrote Psalm 133. He said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest of Israel. Running down all the way to the edge of his garments. And then it is like the dew of Hermon. Hermon is a mountain in Israel. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the other mountains of Zion for there, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. It's a good word, isn't it? All right, you can be seated. Let's, uh, let's look at this today. Um, every day of your life, every day of your life, you are interacting with individuals and groups of people because that's the way life is designed. If you're married, then you interact with your spouse. If you have children, then you're interacting with your family. Uh, extended family members. If you work at a at a place of employment, you interact with your coworkers. If you're if you own a business, then you're interacting with your business partners and your investors. If you um if you are a teacher, you're interacting with your students. Uh, the list just goes on. Obviously, if you have friends and you hang out with your friends, then then you're interacting with your friends constantly, daily. Um, you and those people that you are connected with have to make a decision every day. Constantly making this decision: Are we going to cooperate with one another, or clash with one another? Are we going to cooperate with one another and get along and get things done, or are we going to have division? And obviously, I don't know about you. I like unity. I like getting along with people. Now, I'm a I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know, as the old saying goes. I, I I just I want to love everybody. I want everybody to have a good time. I want everybody to just go to the smoking pig and order barbecue and we fill up the place, and we eat, and we laugh, and we tell stories, that's me. I love that. During Christmas, I'd go to a Christmas party every night, and, and I just, I love it. I love that. I'm not a fighter. Now, if I need to fight, I can, and there are times when i fought for you. If I have to fight the devil, if I have to stand up against somebody, I'll do it, and I, and I can tell you stories, but I don't look forward to that. I love getting along with people. How about you? And unity is always preferable to disunity. It's advantageous. Makes me think of a story of Tonto and the Lone Ranger. How many know who the Lone Ranger is? Y'all know I'm talking about, right? Because like the younger generation might not even know who the Lone Ranger is. Google it. You have permission right now to Google it and just look at the pictures. So the Lone Ranger was this Texas Ranger who went around with a mask on, doing good, and he had a sidekick, an Indian sidekick named Tonto. Well, the story goes that the Lone Ranger and Tonto were riding through a deep canyon, a cavern in a canyon when all of a sudden they were surrounded by Apache Indians, warring Indians, they were armed to the teeth, they were ready to fight. The Lone Ranger looked at Tonto and said, Tonto, what do you think we ought to do? And the, Tonto looked back at him and said, what do you mean we, white man? So you know that unity thing could really work out well for you, and and I know the Lone Ranger was kind of hoping for it. Um, back in the '90s, there were three unbelievable tenor singers: uh, Jose Carreras, and um, uh, Luciano Pavarotti, and Placido Domingo. These three guys were tenor singers. I've I've heard them. I've heard them all sing. They are phenomenal. They were phenomenal. Just unbelievable high tenor power voices. And even if you don't like opera, if you just sat down for five minutes. I mean, even if you're a country music fan, if you would just sit down for five minutes and listen to one of these guys sing, you would just be in awe of the power and the range these guys had. And of course, in that world, you know, you want to be known as the best. And so there were people who said, well, uh, Luciano Pavarotti is the best tenor, and other people said, well, Placido Domingo is the best tenor, and I guess some said Jose Carreras is. But there was a time, and I remember this because I actually watched it, where the three of those guys came together and sang together and did a performance, and it was unbelievable. You ought to just YouTube it and look at it. It is amazing to hear these three guys singing together. It's just, it'll blow your mind. Well, the Atlantic Monthly did a story on them, and the reporter met with the men, and, you know, your reporters are always looking for a dig. They're always trying to find that little thing that'll make the story, you know, interesting or controversial. So this reporter kept pressing the three tenors you know, about the competitiveness between them. And, you know, is there some rivalry going on? And as you're practicing, you know, is there... And she just keeps pushing this, and they're, like, telling her no, no, but she keeps pushing it. And finally, Jose Carreras responded to her with this unbelievable quote. I'm gonna give it to you. He said, you know, you have to put all of your concentration into opening your heart to the music. And then this is what he said. You can't be rivals when you're together making music. You, you can't be rivals when you're together making music. And when I read that, I thought that is, that is great because I'm a musician. Not only do I appreciate that as a musician, but it's true in the church unity is always preferable to disunity or division in the church and that's why David said how good it is and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity because listen when the church is divided it's always a bad thing it hurts the church it hurts the witness for Christ it hurts the reputation of the church it hinders the work of of Christ, it hinders the spread of the gospel. I don't like this. It creates a negative impact on new believers. That you can have new believers backslide, go back into sin when churches have strife and division, and because they see sides of people that they didn't know were there, they thought you're supposed to be Christians. You're not supposed to treat each other mean like this. It can have a negative impact. It will have a negative impact on young people, and then ultimately, uh, it leaves good people jaded. About the church in general. But more than that, a divided church is a moral failure. It's a sin. It's unacceptable and it's inappropriate to God. And it just makes the church ugly and unattractive. However, when the church is united, when everybody's working together, it's a good thing, it's a pleasant thing, it's the right thing for the church, it's beneficial to the saints. Everybody benefits from it. It pleases God. Great things will be accomplished for the kingdom of God. It enhances the the gospel message and it attracts people to the local church. They come in and they see that unity and they say, Man, I want to be part of this group. You know, each Sunday when we enter into this place, we come as individuals, but we come to form a unit. Peter puts it in these terms He said, But you are living stones. Each one of us is a brick, but on Sundays we come together to form a holy habitation, a church, if you will, a dwelling place of God. So, unity is not just having peace and harmony in the church and the absence of strife and division. Unity in the church means that you are part of something bigger than you, you are part of the body of Christ, you belong. Isn't that wonderful? That you belong to the body of Jesus. I mean, listen, you can be a member of any organization in the world, but there's no organization like this organization. (laughs) Because this organization is an organism. It's a living organism. We're the body of Christ. Somebody said that we are the second incarnation of Christ. So this is important. Why? Because you tend to drift spiritually spiritually when you are not connected relationally you tend to drift spiritually when you are not connected relationally so COVID I hate COVID who hates COVID I hate COVID I've been praying for months for God to just wipe out COVID and I thought we were over the hump and then this Delta variant comes along and and it is what it is and uh You know, I got vaccinated. Leah got vaccinated. I know there are strong feelings both ways, and so I'm trying to stay out of it. Your pastor's wife, Leah, tells me, honey, stay out of it. I said, okay, babe, you have to learn to listen to your wife. I stay out of it. So, you know, however you feel that's your business in America, you can choose what you want to do. I looked at it this way. I said, if my 77-year-old mama and daddy can take this, I can take this. My dad fights multiple myeloma and is on dialysis, and my dad took and did fine. I thought, gee whiz, if he can do it, I can do it. My 80-year-old in-laws took it and they just clipping right along. So I thought, you know, it must be okay. So I know there's a lot of fear and a lot of worry and apprehension. And by the way, just for the record, I will say this because I'm a preacher. It is not the mark of the beast. Okay? There are rumors going around. It is not the mark of the beast. We are not in the tribulation. Okay? And when you take the mark of the beast, you will take it knowing full well what you're doing. Okay? Just get, get that cleared out there. Alright? So... Let's get back to COVID. COVID, what did COVID do? COVID disrupted the regular schedule of the church, the church attendance. Thank God we've got the online. And I know there are hundreds watching right now by by, uh, the the live feed that we've got here. So good to see y'all. Praise the Lord. You're our church too. Um, That was okay. We got through it. And and, and I know right now we're in the middle of summer. So if you're on vacation, that's fine. I'm not talking to you. And and I know especially school starts, what, like a week or two, right? All the parents wanna say praise the Lord? Hallelujah, thank you Jesus, you wanna start running around the church? Okay, but um, here's what happened. We we couldn't come to church. A lot of people wouldn't come to church, couldn't come, wouldn't come, and some, a lot of people had good reasons. Okay, if you have health issues, etc., we understood that. I was on the front line encouraging you, don't come to church, if you're sick or you have pre-existing conditions or you're, you know, you're worried that something right here, mm-mm, stay home. That's why we got that, that camera. That's why you folks, we were all for it. But here's the thing. We're getting the vaccination. We're getting over the top. Yeah, the variants here, but that thing I think will spike and drop. That's what it's done in other countries. So don't fear not. It's probably going to spike and then just plummet. Some people think maybe around the 1st of September. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying this this too shall pass. Okay, but here's the thing. A lot of people i've talked to them i've talked to them personally, just got out of the habit not coming to church well now we we're back in church we're coming to church and i've and I've just talked to people and and uh i've talked to one particular family and and, I, and I'm looking they're not here today, so I mean I know who they are and they're not here, but i just I talked to this one particular family and the, and the, and I really appreciate the man's honesty i mean they they were here every Sunday and he served and Anyway, I, you know, I called him. I said, look, I haven't seen you. You know, where, where have you been? You, you, you serve on the, one of the ministries. Just, he said, well, and he started telling me things that were going on in life, and, and I just let him talk. And, and you know how y'all do? Y'all treat us like a priest. Y'all just start confessing. And, and I'm not there for a confession, but y'all. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. I love my Catholic joke, by the way. Did you hear about the stuttering priest? He went... I'm sorry for those of you watching online. I I could not help it. Okay, I blame that on T. David. That's a T. David joke. Okay. My dad's laughing right now at home. And 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 so you start, well, he started confessing, and and, and I and and I, and, he, and then he said to me, you know what? We should we need to get back in church. he might be right watching right now. So if he's watching at home, I'm talking about you. But but uh and I love this man. I love his family. I mean, I, they're just they're wonderful. I love them. Okay, they're they're friends. But he, but he said to me, "Yeah, we need to get back in church." Well, I, you know, I, I try to be tactful. I'm professional. I'm a professional. I just, but at that point with him, he said, "You know, we need to be get, be get back in church." And I just on the phone, I said, "Yeah, you sure do." <laughs> I just forgot about tact. I said, "Yes, you do. You need to get back in church." Okay, get back. He said, "We do. We need to get back." And and so what I want to say is, if we don't get back in church, okay. Gotta be careful because that's not healthy for you spiritually. You gotta get back in the house of God. I love, for all of you who are watching right now, okay, uh, I, I love the fact that you're able to watch and connect with us and this is your church, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But I know I sat over there where you were when we were recording these messages at, when COVID first started. I've, y'all laugh about this, but Lee and I were sitting at the house watching the recording on Sunday morning. I was watching myself preach. There were a couple of times I looked over Leah. I said, I don't care if that's me. That's good preaching right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, man. Preach. And that was me on the screen. But, but I, I'm telling you, it's just not the same there is something about being now if you can't get here that's one thing thank God for online for people who work the the and, and can't be here thank God for it we're we're all for it you don't understand the money we spent so we're but there is just something about being in this place when we interact with one another and the smiles and the hugs and the handshakes and the greetings and the laughter and standing around in pockets talking about things and catching up. And then you get in this service and the music begins and you immediately feel the presence of the Lord. You stand up and, there, and, and the Bible says, thy way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. There's just, God can move anywhere, but there's just something about when you get, when we come together, and we connect relationally, it helps us not to drift. It helps us to be strong in the Lord because we're a unit. We're one. Now, David compares unity among God's people to two unique things, and I I pastor a very intelligent church, so I'm sure when you read those three little verses, a lot of you picked up on it right away. He uses similes. He said, it is like, it is like. So he said that, Unity among the brethren, so we're going to make it for this, unity in the church is like the anointing oil that was poured on Aaron's head and ran down his face and his beard and and, and down his garment. Aaron was the first high priest of Israel. In the Old Old Testament, when you um, were put into a position by God as either a prophet, priest, or king, prophet, priest, or king, you were anointed with oil. And that was a symbolism of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and the power of God coming. And every time the Holy Spirit would come on those people to equip them, and enable them to perform their calling. And so Aaron's the high priest. And God said, you take this special aromatic oil and you anoint him. Now, you know, we, we have oil here. Like, we, we've got anointing oil that we use because the Bible says, if you sick among you, let them come upon the elders of the church, anoint with oil, pray the prayer of faith, the Lord will heal the sick and raise them up. So we, we anoint people with oil. And usually I just put a little bit of my finger and I put it on the forehead, lay my hands, and I pray for him, and God heals people. But in that day, they took a horn, okay, like like a bull's horn, like a big horn, And, you know, you've can you seen like in the old Viking movies, they're drinking out of the horn of something. Okay. Well, back in that day, they would take a long horn like that and they would pour oil in it and they would take the whole horn of oil. Be careful here. And they would just pour it all over their head. So when Aaron had this oil poured on his head, it didn't just stay on his head. It ran down, his gravity took over, it ran down his face, it ran down his long beard, it's dripping off of his ears, and now it's running down his arms and his fingers, and it's going down all the way to his garment. Here's the point. They anointed him on the head, but it ended up covering everything. Covered everything. And then David said that the unity in the church or the brethren is like the dew, the moisture that falls on Mount Hermon, which is the furthest mountain north of Israel. But what he says is, is when that moisture falls, it just doesn't stay on Hermon, but that it just keeps coming down and cascading down the other mountain chains, and it falls on the other mountains, and then that moisture goes into the earth and and begins to flow and runs, and it goes into the Jordan River and feeds it. But here's the point, that the dew falls not just there, starts at the top, Boy, there's a whole message right there about where the anointing starts at the top and it then flows down. But it starts at the top, and then it covers everything. And here's what David is saying to us. And what I want to say to this spirit-filled church this morning, what he's saying is when there is unity in the church, it provides a kind of covering for the church. So I got, I got my golf umbrella, and I'm going to do a little preaching here this morning. So this is my, my golf umbrella, right? I've been waiting all service to do that. <laughs> so you get an umbrella when it rains, right? And, and, and so you pull your umbrella out. Now, when, here's what coverings do, basically. Coverings keep bad things out, but they keep the good things in. So when it starts raining and you throw up an umbrella, you're keeping the cold, wet rain off of you. It's keeping it out, but you're keeping warmth and dryness in. Very simple, rain out keeps the warmth in. Okay, when you go to the beach, all right, I brought I brought copper tone sports spray. Okay, it's locked. And what do you do? This is sunscreen. What do you, you go to the beach? You go to Lake Hartwell out on the day on the boat. You go to the pool. What do you do? You get this. You get the sunscreen. You spray it, you don't just spray your head, you spray all over. You cover all the exposed areas, why? Because the covering keeps out the harmful UV rays that'll keep you from being burnt, maybe getting cancer, right? Keeps that out, but the covering enables you to go outside in the sun, sit by the pool, play with the kids at the beach, get on the lake and drive your boat. It gives you freedom and enables you to do something. That's what David is saying, is that when there is unity in the church, it creates a covering to keep the bad things out and and keep the good things in. Now, let me take it further. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? So what would try to get into the church to tear up the church? I call them wolves in sheep's clothing. That's what Jesus called them, black sheep. Anybody got a black sheep in your family? Everybody's having a fun time at Christmas and the Christmas family gathering until the black sheep walks in the door, and they always ruin it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we had one of those in our family years ago, okay? Every time they walked in, and I'm talking about when I was a kid, so you don't know who this person is, but every time that man and his family walked in, everybody's having a good time until he walked in, and all of a sudden it was strife and division in our family Christmas gatherings, the extended family when I was a child, okay? But when there's unity in the church, the wolves come in, and that's when the the shepherds and the the elders fight back and say, nope, you're not gonna tear this place up. You either straighten up or you can leave. It's when the people say, nope, don't you come in here and do that. When the black sheep come in, start grumbling and complaining about things that we love, and if you listen to the black sheep, you'll turn into a black sheep. You don't tolerate black sheep, you run off black sheep. You tell the black sheep, you go to another church. Go find one when they got full of black sheep, and then y'all just get together and see if y'all can work it out. But you don't tolerate wolves in sheep's clothing. You kill the wolves, and you run off the black sheep. And when you keep unity in the church, you won't tolerate it. You won't, and that's why I told you, there, there needs to be people in the church. Sometimes we put up with things we shouldn't. I always love and appreciate that man, that man in my church, who somebody starts talking and being negative about stupid stuff and just stirring up that that man, who's not a leader, just that man, they may be out to dinner with his family or at their house. He's, and that person starts, that man or that woman, It says, let me tell you something. I love you. And we're having a good time out here today. But you need to shut up talking about our church. Just like that. That'll shut them up. There are children in here. So right now they're looking at Mommy and say, Mommy, he just said shut up. Yeah, I say stupid too. So my grandchildren tell me that's a bad word, Papa. I said, That's right. And Papa says it a lot. Because stupid people need to shut up. I always appreciate that person that says, You're not going to do that. Now, you you either, you know, you don't you ruin what we've got We have a wonderful church. We got wonderful people. This this church was with me when I had surgery. This church has been there for us some of our toughest times. Some of my closest friends are in this church. Okay? Yeah, and Pastor Chris, he's got, yeah, he's yeah, he's weird, but stop talking about him. Because he's my shepherd. And he'll be there for me if I need him. See, when when there's unity. We, we keep stuff out. When there's a spiritual attack against the church, what, 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 when the devil comes against us, what do we do? We rally. We rally together. Unified churches, the devil comes in, but he knows he's going to have a hard time because we just we, we hold each other accountable. We, we encourage one another. We pray for one another. It gets rough. The whole church, the whole church, unified church will just stop what we're doing, call fasting and prayer, and start seeking God, dispatch warring angels, and beat the fool out of that devil. See, we're all unified. Unity keeps when there's persecution. See, persecution could tear up a church, but a unified group of people, the church being if the church is being persecuted, that unified that it'll just make it'll make a unified church even stronger. But then, what else does it, it does? It not only keeps those things out that would tear up a church, but it keeps the good things in. When we're unified, then. There's a positive environment for good things to occur. In a unified church, good things happen. Relationships are built. Friendships are made. People gladly volunteer for ministries in a unified church. A united church has a healthy culture that is inclusive of those who visit our church and want to make it their home church. We just say, come on. There's plenty of room. We'll incorporate you into this unit as well. Come on. You can be one of us. As long as you're not a black sheep or a wolf in sheep's clothing. You with me? Don't ever take for granted the covering that our unity provides here. Don't ever take it for granted. So David talks about two things, and I want to close with this. My interpretation of David's inspired word of God is that when you have a unified church, you will experience the anointing and the blessings of God. The anointing is the manifested presence and power of God. For those of you who didn't grow up in a spirit-filled church or didn't grow up in church at all, and you're in this spirit-filled church, I know you like what goes on around here. You may not be able to explain it, but you like it. And you like what you feel. What you're experiencing is the anointing. It's the presence and the power of God and and it is evident in the life of a spirit-filled believer and it's evident in a spirit-filled church and it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that makes a difference in people's lives and in our church services. In Acts chapter 10, Peter told Cornelius and his household, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That's what the anointing does. Listen, a unified, spirit-filled church will have an anointed atmosphere where the devil's works are demolished, where addictive yokes are destroyed, where captives are set free, where sinners are saved from their sins, and where lives are radically changed. Through the anointing, you know what we do? We undo what the devil has done. We loose what the devil has bound. We heal what the devil has hurt. We mend what the devil has broken. We shine light into the devil's darkness. It is the anointing that makes the difference in the church. I'd rather listen to an anointed preacher than a preacher who doesn't have the anointing. I'd rather listen to a singer with the anointing than a fantastic singer who has no anointing. Why? Because God, through the anointing, will take the preached word or the sung word and he does something to it. He empowers it. He equips it. So that when it leaves this rostrum or this stage and goes out into your ears, it gets into your spirit and it does something powerful and effective and it changes your life. Aaron had this beautiful temple it was really it was a traveling temple, but still it was beautiful. He had all these workers, the whole all the workers he could ask for, volunteers, the Levites. He had the he was decked out. You should have seen the clothes that Aaron got to wear, man. He was dressed out to the t's. He was GQ before there was GQ. He had all the instruments, all the tools, all the equipment. He had the equivalent of the iPhones and the top technology and everything they could he have for his day. But God said, "I'm giving you all this to create a context for ministry." But He said, "That's." not what's going to make a difference and make you effective. you got to have some anointing on you. And I'm just here to say today to high praises, we need the anointing in this place. We better pray for the anointing in this place. It is the anointing that we cherish. It is the anointing that we value. It is the anointing that will convict the sinner and save them. It is the anointing that will draw the backslider to come home. It is the anointing that will give somebody who's sick a healing touch. It is the anointing that will set free drug addicts who some of them come here from Haven of rest in different place and they come here. You know why they come here? They come. Some of them are right here. They come here because they know there's a power of God. They can help them. Oh my God I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to shout right now because there is a power of God that can break the addiction of a drug and set them totally free. You don't get that through a sermon and a slideshow and good music. You get that through the anointing. The Bible says the anointing destroys the yoke. Anything in your life that is pulling you down or pulling you away from God, there is a remedy. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing. And as long as we're unified, we'll have the anointing. Hallelujah. A unified church will experience the manifest presence and power of God. Look at Acts chapter two, verses one through four. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. One accord. That means they were unified. There was there wasn't internal strife and conflict. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody was all about Jesus and what Jesus wanted to do. Everybody was following the apostles and the elders and the leaders and they said, whatever y'all want to do, y'all hear them from God, we're together, let's go. We're on a mission. We're a movement from God. They were all with one mind and one accord in one place when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it had filled the whole house where the unified folks were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven or divided tongues like fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I'm telling you, when we're unified, the Spirit and the presence and the power of God will fall and flow in high praises church. I have visited churches. I've literally been in hundreds of churches. I have visited churches that were divided and the services were always dead and dry. No life No presence of God. I'm going to say this. If somebody sends it to the general overseer of the church of God, fine. He'll probably agree with me. But a number of years ago, number of years ago, I'm talking 20 years ago, 30 years ago, in our denomination, the church of God, I don't talk much about denominations, but in our denomination, we had a division in our top leadership in our church sides had formed. I could say the names. If I said the names right now, I will not, I have more tact than that to say the names, but I could say the names of two men and those two men were created a polarization in our church and you either sided with one or the other. You were in one camp or the other. It was terrible. It was a horrible period of time in our denomination and I remember distinctly, I've been going to Church of God General Assemblies just about my whole life And the General Assembly is our business meeting that we have every two years. And so we go to to these big convention centers in major cities. Well, we conduct business in the day, but at night, we would have these awesome services and and we would get together. You've got some of the most dynamic anointed preachers and some of the best music in the world and thousands of people from all over the world from the Church of God because we've got 8 million members worldwide coming together in these massive coliseums and worshiping the Lord in praise. But I remember during that time, period, Leah and I would go to those services at the General Assembly, and they would sing, and they would preach, and I'd looked at Leah, and i said, say, I don't feel God. I don't feel the presence of God. You can tell it in this atmosphere. There is no move of God in our movement right now, and it was because we had division in the church. But when you get rid of division in the church, you can have mighty moves of God. Take that movement back years even look before that, 30 years ago. Leah and I were just brand new married, and I remember we went to a General assembly, and Raymond Crowley was the general overseer, a small statured man, not a dynamic preacher, not, not a charismatic camp meeting style preacher, but he was a man of God, and he was in touch with God, and he loved the Lord, and at that time our church was a whole lot more united, and I remember Raymond Crowley getting up to preach as the general overseer of the church of God, and that night as he began to preach, the presence and the power and the anointing of God was so strong that it filled that massive coliseum. I'm talking about these massive coliseums like in Indianapolis and, and, and in Dallas and, and places like that and, Sa- and, and San Antonio and he was preaching and the power of God was so strong he was just preaching his message he was making these remarks that God had given him and as he did the waves of glory would go through there thousands of people would come up out of their seats lifting their hands and worshiping the Lord and Brother Crowley would have to step back from the podium and he couldn't preach and he'd just have to stand there while people were rejoicing and praising God and then he'd come back and he'd start preaching again and as he was preaching he'd make his next point and when he did waves of glory and the anointing of God would flow and he would just push back like this and he couldn't preach and the anointing, my God I feel that anointing right now how about y'all? I feel the presence of God right now and that I just I, that memory sticks in my mind. I'm here to tell you if you've got unity in the church you ought to anticipate the anointing in the church I crave the anointing I want the anointing. David said it's like the anointing. And then he, he talks about the blessing. How many of y'all like the blessings of God? Boy, I do. Y'all know we're blessed, right? I just, every day you experience the providential grace of God. Every day. Don't ever take for granted the grace of God. You just have no idea. I love blessings. But I want you to know that Unified churches are blessed churches. When when your church is, everybody's running together and loves each other and cares for each other, those churches are blessed. God's hand is upon everything they do. They experience the favor of God. People and resources flow into those churches from multiple directions. When your church is unified, God lavishes exceptional and extraordinary grace on his people. See, in a a divided church, everybody's out for themselves. But in a unified church, everybody's out for Jesus. In a a unified church, you release your personal preferences and you embrace God's plan and direction for the church. And you say, not what I want, Lord. Whatever you want. Verse 3, I'm going to close with this. Verse 3 David said something very interesting. He said, for there, he's talking about Mount Hermon and the dew falling. He said, for there, God commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And when I saw that, it resonated with me. I said, wait a minute, I've seen that before. I've used that somewhere. And then it hit me, worship night, a few weeks ago. Worship, night. If you were here at worship night, you heard me talk about this. But I wasn't even thinking about this scripture I was thinking about another scripture. But when I read this, I said, there it is again. I don't think there's but a few places in the Bible this is there. He didn't say, there come God commanded a blessing, did he? He said, there God commanded the blessing. Now, if I get a blessing from you, it's, it, it could be anything that you want to give me. Okay. But if I get, the blessing from you, it's where you have said, it's not what I want to give you, it's what you need. You have a need in your life. You've got, you've got an area where nobody else can supply. Somebody's got to come through for you, and I've got it, and I'm going to give you the very blessing that will change everything. I thank God for a blessing. But there are times in my life when I need the blessing. And I don't know what it is, but David said in a unified church, you not only come to church and worship and praise and laugh with one another and fellowship and feel the presence of God and hear the word and get in the altar and pray and get a blessing, get blessed, but there are times when you come to church and you say, man, the weight of the world is on my shoulders. I have expended every resource. I have been told by everybody I've gone to there is nothing they can do for me. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't have any more answers. I've come to the end of my rope. I'm at the end of a dead-end street. It's not looking good. And you get on your face and you say, God... I need the blessing. I need the answer to my solution. I need the answer to my problem. I need the wisdom that I don't have on how to deal with this. I need the right phone call to happen. I need the banker to tell me this loan is gonna go through. See what I'm saying? It's not a general blessing, it's your blessing. Just what you need. And how many of you know the Bible says that God knows what we have need of even before we ask him. So I want you to stand with me this morning. In a unified church, see, when you have a need, your need, the need, you don't care about anybody else's need, you have the need. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The number one thing, the last thing on my mind when I go to bed and the first thing when I get up in the morning that need when you have that here's the great thing about being in a church that's unified everybody loves each other and blesses one another if we know about it we rally around you we're there you don't have to go through it alone we go through it with you we I'm preaching stuff the Lord we get just as big a kick when you get the blessing as if we'd have got the blessing ourselves. When the testimony comes through and you come to church, and say, "This is what the Lord did. I got it. Nobody said it was going to happen, but it happened." The rest of us, we just start shouting and rejoicing with you. Have a big time. When James Whittington walked through the valley of the shadow of death through COVID, they called the family and one point said, "He's leaving here." And yet God brought him through. And this morning in the first service, he gave out a message in tongues and it was interpreted so that God supernaturally could speak to our church in a supernatural way. See, God said, I'm not finished with you yet. And he needed the blessing. And God gave him the blessing so he could be a blessing. That's why... That's why, I could preach for 15 more minutes. That's why if you got aught with somebody in the church, if you got something going on, a little friction, a little clash, might be your wife, your husband, your kids. That's why you need to go to them and make it right. Get rid of the disunity as much as you can. Race the division so that the blessing of God you know, people that have odds with people or are clashing with people and have odd. They don't. They say, "I don't feel the Lord. I can't get a prayer through." Well, that's because there's no anointing and no blessings. That's why you don't feel God. You can't get a prayer through. Unity clears the way. <laughs> clears the way when you reconcile. And you make up. Give me two more minutes. My dad's watching right now. My dad, mom will remember this. When I was a child growing up, my dad pastored in Man's Choice, Pennsylvania. I have vivid memories of my dad standing up. I don't remember if it was while he was moderating in the middle of the sermon at the end of the service. All I remember as a child, I have these vivid memories that dad's up there doing, you know, ministering when all of a sudden a man would stand up in the church and say, Brother start, can I say something? Well, that's always dangerous if that ever happens. But dad knew the man. He said, yeah, go ahead he said i did bill wrong over here across the church i know i've done him wrong i know he's mad at me we've been at odds i could go to him personally but i'm going to do this in front of my entire church for accountability and he look across the church and with tears in his face he'd say bill i'm sorry for what i did to you will you forgive me bill would stand up i'm just making up names but bill would stand up and say brother i know what you did was wrong but I want you to know I forgive you and everything's everything's good between you and me or you want to talk about revival breaking out in the church and you think that'd be the end of it and then all of a sudden some little old lady pop up out of nowhere she got inspired she said brothers it's dark can I say something dad say go ahead she said, there's some people that have hurt me and my, my, my feelings have been hurt and I've been walking around bitterness, she said, but I just want everybody to know I'm I'm sorry for the way I've behaved, the way I've acted, and I want them to forgive me and, and I want to do what's right. Well, two or three of those ladies that had got into class, they stand up and say, brother, this is dark, and I say something. They say, go ahead. They say, sister, we did you wrong. We're sorry. We shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive us? And they, she'd say, yeah, I'd forgive And they'd be crying and everybody'd be crying. And dad's up there just smiling and beaming you know why because dad knew that God, my God I feel the Holy Ghost because dad knew God was mending the things that were broken in the church and the unity was coming back together and then he knew the anointing and the blessing was going to keep flowing in the man's choice church of God listen to me high praises whatever we do whatever we do here let's always cherish and value the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace because that's where the anointing and the blessings come from Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are nine o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.